BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What is Janis Jackson's legacy? When we look back, um, I don't know that she's going to stand out like crazy for all of the accomplishments uh, made under her time at CPS, but I think she'll stand out for stabilizing the district and uh, going out with a little more dignity than her predecessor. Hi everybody, I'm Fran Spielman. My guests this week are two of the most talented and treasured colleagues of mine at the Sun-Times, former education reporter turned investigative reporter extraordinaire Lauren Fitzpatrick and the current education reporter Nader Issa. Lauren and Nader, thanks so very much for joining us. Hi, Fran. Good morning. Glad to be here. I miss you guys. Let me start by congratulating both of you on your multiple nominations for Peter Lissagor Awards. I hope you win in all categories, although I'm not really sure that that is possible considering the fact that in some of these categories, you seem to be competing against yourselves, which is really quite a feat. Isn't that a bummer? And then in others- <laughs> Well, that means you win by default. You win by default, unless it's like the Academy Awards where two people are uh, uh, best uh, nominated in the same category for the same movie and cancel each other out. I doubt it. I, I'm sure you guys are going to win. This week, Chicago Public School CEO Janice Jackson announced that she would leave the nation's third largest school system when her contract expires at the end of this strange pandemic interrupted school year. That's even though the board gave her a $40,000 a year raise in the middle of all this. Were either of you surprised by this announcement? I have to say I really wasn't. Nader, you start, why don't you start? Yeah, I think you see it coming, you've seen it coming for the past few months. There's just been so much going on. You, you could even say the past year and a half from the first uh, teacher strike in 2019 to the almost teacher's strike during reopening negotiations, the pandemic, everything has weighed on her. And you start hearing a few months ago, people are tired, top leadership at CPS is tired. There may be some exits coming. And I think once you look at everything that's happened, everything she's had to deal with, I don't think it's entirely surprising. We can get into it a bit more, but if you do look at um, just the totality of her career at CPS, then it starts to get a bit surprising that this didn't last longer than three years. Yeah, Lauren, what do you think? Were you surprised? Well, you know, I was, and this just goes to show how my role as a reporter has changed in that I'm not, my ear is not as much to the ground as CPS day to day as it was. And, you know, I, I, when I met Janice Jackson, I mean, she was just so full of optimism and could not tell enough people how this was her dream job. And 
you could just watch the trajectory of her career building up to this exact position. Um, so, so I, I was surprised that, you know, I knew she wasn't going to be there forever. She's a talent. Um, she's a young woman. She's got years ahead of her in her career. I, I thought for sure she would renew a contract and be around for at least another term. And why do you suppose she's getting off the merry-go-round? Nader, you and I have been told by numerous sources that it was a combination, and it always is, it's never black and white or one reason, a combination of pandemic fatigue, the recent losses in Springfield that strengthened the bargaining power of the Chicago Teachers Union and made it easier to strike with the prospect of even more losses with an elected school board, the reopening agreement so heavily tilted in the union's favor, the decision by her top deputy and close friend, Latanya McDade, to leave the system to accept a top job in suburban Virginia, the micromanagement of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She uh, talks tough in negotiations with the CTU and caves in the end. Um, what, what do you think was, were the key factors that took this homegrown talent, this young woman, so full of energy and burned her so far out that she's getting off? the train. Yeah, like you're saying for someone and like Lauren mentioned, this was a dream job of hers to to up and leave uh, a dream job. There has to be a lot of different factors that go into it. So like you're mentioning, it's just overall, there's there's several factors that have made it a less attractive job for her. One, she's she's and maybe the most important, she's trying to navigate her position between City Hall and the teachers union. And as we all know, if, if you pay attention to any headlines the past couple years, it, it's just constant between CPS and the CTU. And based on a couple losses for the mayor in Springfield, it looks like it, the the aggression, uh, as as Janice put it, the ugly in politics is going to keep growing. And it doesn't seem like she wants to be a part of that anymore. It doesn't seem like the other top district leaders who are leaving, Latanya McDade, Arnie Rivera they want to be a part of it anymore. And it's it's this feeling micromanaged by the mayor, everything that they do, uh, any any talks they have with the CTU have to involve the mayor and, and um, her chiming in, her uh, sort of dominating negotiations. And I think Janice felt a little shackled by what she could do as CEO at CPS. Yeah, Lauren, what do you think about these factors and which one of them weighed most heavily, do you think? I mean, you know, I've been reporting around what's going on, what's her legacy, you know, what we remember about her. And people are not discounting just the terrible weight of the pandemic and how much um, this is not a job that anyone signed up for and how... Um, how profoundly it just changed how everyone was able to function, how goals were able to be met. I mean, how work just slowed. Um, but there were a couple of things I, I like one other thing I, I noticed, and this is as the reporter who covered kind of the force out um, resignations in disgrace um, of previous CEOs. You know, I, I noticed she's kind of getting out before CPS, like, tarnished her reputation. I mean, CPS has ended the careers of her two predecessors, and it definitely um, put a damper on, and I, I was talking about Barbara Bird Bennett, who of course went to prison, and Forrest Claypool, who got pushed out in an ethics scandal. 
Um, and then it certainly put a damper on um, Jean-Claude Brazard, who was in even before them. I mean, he was also supposed to be a, a quickly rising star, a national figure, and, and CPS um, put the brakes on him. So I don't know. I, I, I noticed that she, she's walking away at the end of this contract while her reputation is still, for the most part, um, really glowing. So she, these, these jobs seem to have like a time clock. If you stay too long, you're going to get swallowed by some kind of a scandal or some kind of a problem that's going to be tarnishing your reputation. And she saw that ticking, 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 and maybe got off the train while it was still running. Uh, is That's a smart move, I guess. Uh, she's not going to go to another system, she claims. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, I've heard that she's going to do some kind of education consulting. She's got a Carnegie Fellowship, I guess. Um, and that's what she's going to do. She's a very attractive uh, person, articulate, uh, possible political candidate. Uh, she could run for mayor, um, but says she won't. Do you buy that she's never going to enter politics? Anyone? I, I would never say never about anyone on Earth, Fran, like ever. But this is not a person who relished any of the political aspects of this job, who was not often seen with elected officials, who did not make campaign sounding speeches. It would surprise me greatly beyond. And I know she was joking about like maybe she'd run for the elective school board someday. I, I, I don't know. I don't see it. But again, I would never How about you, Nader? But in the short term. Absolutely not. Nader, what do you think? Yeah, I, I still think she's a teacher at heart. I think she still loves being around kids. She loves education. <laughs> this she 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 wasn't kidding when she said this was and still is her dream job. The, the CEO of CPS. And then she had a, a line that's a little sad that said, but sometimes you wake up. Um, and I, I just, I, I don't, I don't see her getting into politics. She's, she's not, um, to me, not the person who would want to go after an elected office. Everything points to her just loving education, loving this job. Maybe she'll get back into a, a more high profile role at some point in her career. Um, but right now, I just don't see politics in her future. And speaking of the Carnegie Fellowship, some consulting, it really is telling that she's just leaving this job for, I mean, essentially nothing. Like she, she's not going, leaving to be the education secretary. She's not going to run New York schools. She's, she's just leaving. And I think that points to what Lauren is talking about. You're talking about Fran she's tired. The pandemic, um, the relationship with the CTU, everything has worn her out. And she was extraordinarily candid about the ugly politics in the system and the need for that to change. She made it clear she's exhausted from it, tired of fighting. She talked about the need for parents of CPS teachers to get in the driver's seat, as she put it, to be more vocal, to be heard and for others to join them in speaking out about this dysfunction, she says, is an outlier among school systems around the nation. Are you surprised by that, Lauren? What impact will it have on the search for her successor? I mean, it's it's a big job to do, right, in terms of finding a successor. 
Um, it's a giant job to do. You know, we shouldn't discount that her, that the other top two officials at CPS also are walking out the door. It's a lot of institutional knowledge. It's two individuals that had a lot of trust and longtime relationships with people on the ground, you know, with teachers, with principals, with families, even. Um, I, I, Brian, I don't, I don't know who's going to want this job. It's, it's going to have to be someone who is really, who gets up in the morning in order to take on giant challenges, because if this homegrown woman whose life has been this school system, it's her own kids, it was her as a child, it's her whole family, everything. If, if she wasn't able to, to make this work, I, I mean, who, who stands a chance? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Were you surprised, Nader, at the way she was so outspoken about the ugly politics? She she when she was talking about the ugly politics, she threw in a little line that uh, you've never heard me say anything bad, anything harsh about the CTU publicly. And it, it almost felt like a jab that the mayor always comes out so harshly at the union. But uh, you never know. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was a little surprising because she's not. She's not lying. She usually doesn't come out and say many harsh things. She's focused on education. Um, I think uh, toward the tail end of her time as a CEO, she started to come out and be a little stronger in her statements. And I mean, to be honest, start feeling a little bit, just a, a little bit like a politician. But no, I mean, we, we've never really heard her come out and talk about the CTU the way she did. Uh, this uh, last week. And so it's, uh, it, it was a bit surprising to hear. And she said that she'll be talking about it more um, a- after she leaves in about a month, month and a half. And so I guess we'll, we might be hearing more stories from her soon. When you think about how she is the chief education officer under Forrest Claypool, who was the CTU's like public enemy number one. I mean, she came in at, at the end of, of, she came in during those negotiations and like got the deal done. I mean, there were photos of her, which I had, I had not remembered seeing from previous negotiations of her shoved in with CTU leadership. Like they're smiling. I don't know that they quite have their arms around each other, but like they're all enjoying this moment together group of educators mm-hmm. who got this contract done. I mean, to, to see how that um, relationship has evolved is um, maybe unfortunate deteriorated, I'll say. Mayor Lightfoot likes to say that there are only a handful of people in the whole United States who have the experience and the talent and temperament to be the police superintendent in Chicago. I dare say the same can be said for school CEO. And yet, like you said, with all this going on and the prospect for more, the mayor likes to say, for example, that she thinks that the tension with the CTU will continue all the way up through 2023, the election, where she expects the union to run a candidate against her. Who is going to want this job and who is qualified to take it? Just We've seen what happened when um, outsiders came in. The last couple didn't have the best success. Uh, we saw we saw what happened when, you know, when when Claypool was here, he was certainly local and close to the mayor, but he'd never been an educator of any kind. And I mean, there was just such dissatisfaction in the ranks under him. You had mass principal exoduses. You had all kinds of budget cuts. I mean, enrollment just plummeted. It's, 
I, I'm curious to see, Fran, what what you like, what direction you think this mayor might go into. Does she seem like the type to pull someone from a national search? Does she seem like the type to put in a, a, a local sort of administrator that she trusts? I mean, what direction do you see her going in? Well, I mean, she did it with David Brown. She had her eye on him in Dallas, the retired police chief in Dallas from the very beginning. She went around the police board to to find him. The whole search was really rigged from the very beginning and she said it wouldn't be. So yes, she has the track record to try someone from outside if that's what she believes. She may very well have her, her eye on someone. She alluded to a national search and she alluded mm-hmm. to the fact that the quote unquote CPS diaspora, which I, I mean, some bureaucratic term that she likes to use, uh, that, that some, there are some CPS people who have left the system who are now in other places who maybe she would bring back home. I don't know who those would be. You you both would know better than I. Uh, what do you think, Nader? I mean, do you think she'll go outside or inside? Outsiders tend to be swallowed up and chewed up and spit out and swallowed whole in Chicago. We have a unique brand of politics. They don't have a good track record here. Well, we talk about outsiders. You could also say that about the outgoing CEO, right? Maybe she wasn't chewed up and spit out the way some of her predecessors were, and she's not leaving in disgrace, but the job did eat her up a little bit. Um, But I... Here's the thing is, Lauren, um, you were talking earlier about just if, if Janice couldn't do this, who can? I would, I, I think that's definitely true. I would argue a little bit, though, that it was a tough job when Janice came in. And I think, I think mm. people who have aspirations, they're, they're going to see a challenge, like you're saying, someone who wakes up wanting to take on a challenge. I think there's going to be people out there. I don't think I don't know. We, we could be wrong. I don't see anyone internally right now. The the one person that would have made uh, uh, made sense as a successor to Janice Jackson would have been Latanya McDade. And Fran, we reported in the story the other day, she's leaving for some of the same reasons. She knew, yeah. she knew Janice Jackson's time might be up. She probably figured she would be next in line and she still called it quits even before Janice and is headed to Virginia's second largest district to be their superintendent. And so uh, internally, there are certainly smart people, smart principals, network chiefs, people in CPS's central office. I'm not exactly sure anyone has the experience to move up to the CEO office right now. And so I I do see this being an outside hire. And I guess we'll see if it plays out like other outside hires for CPS in the past. You wrote a wonderfully insightful profile of Janice Jackson, Lauren, when she ascended Mm -hmm. to this job. Let's talk a little bit about what in her background made her like central casting, the perfect person, both personally and professionally, in terms of her magnetism, her personal story, the fact that she's a homegrown talent, all of these things Mm -hmm. that made her so special for this job. I mean, that was it. It was her, the fact that she is so homegrown and it was these just so many layers and levels of commitment to the school system. I mean, she said she started at, at Head Start as a super tiny little girl. You know, she attended neighborhood schools. Um, so not the selective ones that you test into, but just 
schools that, you know, where every kid is guaranteed a seat, graduates from Hyde Park High School. Um, she goes to Chicago State to, to become a teacher in the first place, which incidentally is where Latanya McDade ended, uh, had gone as well. Um, gets into becoming a social studies teacher at um, South Shore. And then decides, and I want to say even before she was 30 or right around the time she was turning 30, so she was a pretty young woman when she decided that school leadership is where she wanted to be. So she uh, she's out at Al Raby on the west side, which I'm pretty sure, and I'm sorry, Fran, this is in the Wayback Machine, but like, I think she helped to start that school. She did. She wrote a grant to start that school. She did. Right. So so she gets that started and then they put her in charge of sort of reviving Westinghouse as um, a place for some neighborhood kids, but also a selective enrollment option on the west side. So those kids don't have to travel all over the place. Meanwhile, she puts her own kids in CPS. So she's also dealing with the system as um, a parent. So this is like way deeper involvement than we've seen from people sitting on the school board, at least since I started covering CPS right around what, 10 years ago, I guess. Um, and even deeper involvement from, from previous CEOs too. And then but she has that wonderful like, personal story also, that compelling personal story. And nobody knew it. I mean, this is the thing, like she was definitely known within CPS as um, someone to know and someone that I think people generally like but she was still kind of publicly, you know, an unknown. And so as I set out to just try to learn more about her when it was obvious that she was going to be the, um, the heir to Forrest Claypool and that, that time was going to be coming soon, you know, I, I discovered that, that she had lost a brother to gun violence, um, which, like, was, was just such a, the fact that she didn't parade that part of her story, I think, also was so telling, as well as the fact that she and her family had been through his his murder in a case that um, hasn't been, you know, hasn't been solved. No one's ever been arrested. No one brought to justice. And, you know, it was her brother at home in their mom's house, the house that Janice had had bought for her mother um, down, far down on the south side. The mom's playing cards with her lady friends, as she does on, I think, Friday night. And the card game gets held up. The brother runs to, to help and is, is shot and killed. And I, I, you know, I went back and reread that profile earlier this week when I heard the news that Janice was stepping down. And the line that just stood out to me, I mean, I'm a working mom, Fran, like, so are you, was the fact that it was her first year as principal Westinghouse. She's got a one-year-old, a one-year-old baby. Um, she's also working on her doctorate. And then her her baby brother is killed. How she got through that year of her life at all is um, kind of amazing. I mean, I, a I miracle, just remember really, a real miracle. Old, like, like you got dressed every day and you managed to do your job when your when your child is that young. And she just had so many other things going on. So um, she'd have really had a way. Or I, I mean, I shouldn't talk about her like she's dead here. She's just leaving her job. But she really has a way of, I think, connecting with families and students. And then they, and I've, I've talked to a bunch this week about her, like they connect with her because they see someone who has been where they are now, um, which is, right. you know, seems to mean the world to them. And the CEO's suite 
is really like the quarterback carousel at the Chicago Bears. The system has had a revolving door of CEOs to its absolute detriment. Nader, Mm -hmm. did Janice Jackson provide the stability that this system so sorely needs? And where does she stand in this parade of CEOs that we've seen come and go? I think you could argue her biggest accomplishment as CEO is providing some stability because she she took a lot of mistakes that had happened um, or were made by her predecessors and started to correct them. She stabilized finances, stabilized uh, school budgeting, stabilized a lot of things in the district that were not in a good place when she showed up. And she's not necessarily leaving them in a great place, but like the word suggests, she stabilized the district. And so I I would argue that is, um, and and talking to Laura in the past few days, trying to figure out what is Janice Jackson's legacy, that's what sort of stands out. She took a lot of problems and mistakes and started to correct them and got them to a better place. And it's basically there now for someone coming in to navigate all these relationships. And to be honest, in terms of the district standing, there is an opportunity here. I don't think the mayor is exaggerating too much when she says that, um, but there there are certainly challenges. And when you look at Janice's predecessors, as Lauren mentioned earlier, she's the first one in quite a few years that is leaving not in disgrace. And so Janice, I think, is going to, when, when we look back, um, I don't know that she's going to stand out like crazy for all of the accomplishments uh, made under her time at CPS, but I think she'll stand out for stabilizing the district and uh, going out with a little more dignity than her predecessor. She's proud of the two new high schools that opened on our watch in Bronzeville and Englewood. She pointed to the Office of Equity, but the school sex abuse scandal also exploded on our watch. And she hasn't done much of anything about the massive under-enrollment at CPS with some high schools mostly empty. Education gains, of course, have stalled during this pandemic lost year. What do you think about her record, Lauren? Well, you know, it, it, it kind of depends on who you talk to. And I, I want to make sure we leave space to talk about special education, which both is one of the messes she inherited, but also I think um, talking to people, this is where maybe she was weakest as leader of the district because it's, it's not even close to being cleaned up. I mean, new problems have just popped up where the state is saying that, you know, kids in the jail school, which is operated by CPS, like special education kids really didn't get services at all in the whole last year, pandemic or not. That's pretty extreme. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I think that's where critics come out the loudest and the harshest, too, in terms of what she was not able to do or did not do to resolve special education um, within CPS. And what about CPS finances, that perennial problem? The system is still heavily in debt. Its bonds are still rated junk. They have a $1.5 billion teacher's contract to bankroll. It's gotten billions in stimulus money from the federal government. Are they out of the woods or is this just a temporary respite 
They haven't gotten hundreds of millions in state funding, they assume, and they still have the teacher's pension fund. Nader? Yeah, the, the federal funding is going to go a long way. And I think when when you hear district officials, when you hear Janice Jackson talk about that money, it's $1.8 billion in the last, uh, last relief. You combine it with the two previous ones, it comes out to about $2.7, $2.8 billion. So, I mean, they're getting close to $3 billion they weren't expecting for school reopening, school safety. And what they have kept saying is debt relief. And they're going to put some of this, we don't know how much just yet, they haven't come up with their plan, but they're going to put some of this federal funding toward debt. And you talk to families and educators and they're upset about it because they want that money to go toward supporting students and the debt was a pre-pandemic problem. But I, I think you, you realize that the problem is still there if they're trying to use COVID relief money for debt. And you also recognize that they're in a much better situation than they were a, a few years ago. Uh, quickly before we go, what are the challenges facing the new CEO? in-person learning and the need to negotiate with the CTU, the lost year, the mental health challenges faced by students after being isolated for a year, the brain drain, how to spend stimulus money, financial problems long-term, cops in schools, under-enrollment, stopping the exodus of Black students. Lauren, what do you think are the biggest challenges? Oh, Fran, I mean, all of the above. I mean, not to like cop out here, but absolutely all of the above. Yeah, Nader, what do you think? What, what's the biggest? The most immediate one, I mean, Janice is leaving at the end of June. The most immediate one is going to be school reopening. And right now, I mean, 80% of kids are learning at home. And you, but you look at the number of kids learning in person and it adds up to the biggest school district in Illinois and like the 15th biggest in the country. So I, there's still a lot of kids learning in person, but she has wanted for the longest time to get everyone back in school. She's saying before she leaves, she'll come up with a plan for every kid back five days a week in school in the fall. And the newest leader, that that's going to be the first challenge to address the most immediate one. But then like you listed, I mean, the, the relationship with the CTU, it's only going to get more aggressive from here because the, the union just had a major win in Springfield. They, they got a bill repealed that essentially gave them back a ton of bargaining rights. And so they're going to be bargaining over things like class size again and and staffing and all of these things that they, for the longest time, have not had a right to bargain over. And then there's potentially an elected school board coming. And that's yeah. going to be a big fight, a big negotiation. The mayor right now, even though she campaigned on a fully elected school board, she doesn't seem like she she wants that um, at all. It's just it doesn't interest her anymore. The bill that she's proposed would eventually phase in some elected positions, but the mayor would still have control of the board. And so Lauren, we'll give you the last word. What of these is the most pressing challenge? I mean, honestly, I, I think and I it's because I come from reporting at a time where there was so much churn and so much instability. I think it's just getting someone in there who people believe in enough to hand their kids back over in the fall. Um, and, and someone who doesn't, I guess someone who just kind of keeps the boat going in, in the positive direction that generally it's been going in um, under the last several years, because as you said, 
I mean, enrollment drops. There's only so much you can do about kids being born and, you know, babies coming along and stuff. But but CPS is just they've lost a lot of kids. They've lost a lot this past year. Parents have looked to, you know, non-public options to just literally have somewhere to send their kids. Are those families going to come back? So I, I'm, I'm looking at just kind of stabilization in general um, at CPS. And to say nothing of the crime that continues to drive all kinds of families out of Chicago. If the, if the mayor doesn't get a handle on that, then the exodus will continue. Thank you both very much for joining us. We will watch with interest this so-called nationwide search. That's what we always get after in situations like this. And again, it will get more tense with the CTU because the election is two years away. Thank you both for joining us and we will see you all next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.